Good morning, Northridge. How are you guys? So good to see you. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here at Northridge. I want to welcome all of you. I want to welcome those of you watching online, including my son and his buddies in college, who I'm sure were up late last night at the library studying. I appreciate you guys waking up for church today. I think that's awesome. Um, so we are in this series called In With The New. And the whole concept of the series has been based on that phrase, out with the old and in with the new as we go into a new year. And what we've said is, while most of us are hoping that 2024 is better than 2023, the reality is it's just gonna be a whole lot of the same thing if you don't change up some things in your life. And we all know there's probably some things that we need to let go of, some patterns, some habits in our life. And at the same time, maybe there's some things that we need to add into our life that have been missing that could make 2024 such a special year for us. And today we're talking about out with worry and in with peace. And how many of you would say, I'd like to have more peace in 2024 than I had last year? Yeah, that's the majority of us, right? So I wanna start with just a handful of questions, right? And the first question is this, who struggles with worry? And the easy answer to that is everybody, right? Everybody struggles with worry and anxiety at some level. Uh, it's all of us. For me, I feel like it's 3 a.m. in the morning and it feels like I wake up and my brain and my bladder are both full and it's hard to go back to sleep because I'm thinking about all the things that are happening in my life and I'm spinning off all these worst case scenarios. Some of you are... Um, like professional worriers. You're like an expert. You're like gold medalist worrier. You worry about how much you worry. Like it's just, it's in you. And what I think is interesting, and I, I really believe that this is at pandemic type levels. I think the majority of people are going through life coping with a low level of anxiety and worry constantly in their life. To the point that you really don't even know what it feels like to truly have peace in your life. The low level of anxiety and worry for you has almost become a part of your identity, right? You identify with it. In other words, you wouldn't know what to do without it. So at any moment in your life where you might be accidentally slipping into levels of peace, your mind is gonna conjure something up to almost self-sabotage yourself and your life so that you then begin to have something to worry and have anxiety about because it almost feels normal to you now. But I'm here to tell you, I don't believe that's the way God has designed us to live. But we all struggle with it. So the next question for me is, where does it come from? And I think this is really interesting because I think there's a huge common illusion around worry and where it comes from. And most people think, well, it's obvious, right? The reason that I worry, the origination of the worry and the anxiety that I feel in my life is a direct result of all these different problems I have, right? Relationship problems, uh, work problems, career problems, financial problems, problems with your kids. Like you, you just assume that's where it's all originating, that it's all about the problems. And you think if you could eliminate all the problems, then you wouldn't have the worry and anxiety that you tend to have almost every day of your life. Jesus had a whole different perspective on this. He said this, Matthew 6, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, right? Each day is gonna have enough trouble of its own. This is Jesus essentially giving you the seven-day forecast for your life. He's like, guess what, Monday, trouble. Tuesday, trouble. Wednesday through Saturday, trouble. It's trouble. Like you 
and I live inside of a broken world where things are never going to be exactly the way we want them to be. And so Jesus is just saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. In this world, every day, there is trouble. So this idea, this concept that somehow if you were to eliminate all the problems, eliminate all these different things that are, you think are causing you worry and anxiety, that life would be great. Jesus is like, uh, actually, it doesn't work that way. And what you're doing when you're worrying is you're spending a tremendous amount of emotional energy on things that often will never happen, right? I heard somebody once say that worry is a down payment on a problem that you may never have. And that's true. Research shows us this. 40% of the things we worry about never happen. 40%, right? Almost half of the things that are keeping you up at night, they're never going to happen. They never develop, right? 30% are in the past and can't be helped. 12% are the affairs of others that are none of your business. And I know some of you, and that percentage is a lot higher for you, right? 10% relate to sickness, real or imagined, which only lives 8% of the things that we worry about that are actually likely to happen. And my experience is those things usually aren't near as bad as you think that they are going to be. So we build up all these things, right? And we worry about all these problems and we stew on all these things and the what ifs and the eventualities and all these different worst case scenarios and we clutch to it because subconsciously we've bought into a lie. And the lie that so many have bought into that keeps us clinging to the worry and the anxiety is this, if I worry, if, if, if I worry about it today, I can have peace tomorrow. Right? If I worry about it today, I can have peace tomorrow. That's the lie that so many of us have bought into. And we've actually convinced ourselves that somehow the worry and anxiety is, is, is helpful. That it's almost like a tool. That if I worry about it enough, if I have enough anxiety about it, right, then that, that somehow that's like a strategy for helping all these things kind of work out. But one time Jesus is talking to a group of people who had a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety and worry, and he asked them a question. He says, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And when he said that, what he was doing was he was unmasking this lie that we've all bought into subconsciously. And he's saying, hey, just so you know, worry is not really a strategy. Worry doesn't work. It can't change the past. It can't change the future. All it does is make today feel unbearable. That's all it does. So we have to be honest on the front end and just say, hey, this strategy of worry and anxiety, it doesn't work. So then the third question for me is, how do you respond to the worry? And I strategically phrase that the way I did because I think a lot of people, when they think about worry and anxiety, at least when they come to me and they're like, Pete, I've got this going on and that going on, how do I stop worrying? I think that's the wrong question. The question is not, how do I stop worrying? How do I stop the anxiety? The question is, how do I respond to it? What do I do? What is it telling me? What's going on um, you know, underneath the surface that maybe needs to be addressed? And I think this is really important because as a general rule, you cannot stop yourself from worrying by telling yourself to worry less. Right? It doesn't work that way, does it? You've tried that. You've, tried, you've sat there in your car before and tried to convince yourself, okay, stop worrying, stop the anxiety, right? It doesn't work. It just, it almost fuels it even more, right? You start spinning off other scenarios. So that's not the solution. 
There's a deeper solution. There's another solution. And I think scripture has a lot of incredible things that can help us as we walk through this. So I'm going to look at this passage. This is from the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 4. It's a deeply spiritual text, but it's deceivingly practical. All right. And he's going to give us a couple things that we should do when we have worry and anxiety. And then at the end of this passage, I'll point it out to you, but he's literally going to use the word practice. In other words, this isn't something that uh, I think comes natural for most people. This is something we have to practice whenever we have worry and anxiety. And he kind of outlines it for us. So he starts off and he just says, don't be anxious about anything. And the, the Greek word for anything means anything. That was deep, wasn't it? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So that's kind of going to be step one, right? We'll go back and look at that. And then he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's something that's going to happen. If you put into practice what Paul's going to say, he said, there's a peace that comes into your life that surpasses all human understanding. It's like, it's hard to understand it. You can't wrap your arms around it, but it's there and you'll feel it and you'll sense that. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, this is the second part, right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, right? Think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put into practice, there's the word, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So let's talk about these two things that he tells us we should do when we have worry and anxiety, and let's talk about how we can put them into practice. And the first thing he says, real simple, he just says, pray about everything. In every situation, pray about it. Make your request known before God. And I think the implication here is that when you worry, instead of freaking out, Instead of immediately going into some kind of strategic session in your mind about how you're going to solve this, how you're going to fix this, right? How you're going to manipulate and control this. When that happens in your life, when the, the moment you have worry or anxiousness, it should be like a, a warning light on the dashboard of your life saying, wait, stop. You're about to go into a situation, a circumstance where you feel like you don't have control. And you're right. You don't have control. It's why you worry. It's why you have the anxiousness. In that moment, it should be a warning light to you to stop and just pray about it. That's it. Just pray about it. It's like this warning light. It's like the warning lights we have on our cars, right? Um, I drive a Jeep Wrangler, and a couple weeks ago, I'm pulling into Kroger, and my check engine light comes on, right? In my car, it's orange. I hate that orange light. And the light comes on, check engine, right? So I pull into the parking spot, and I'm like, all right. I, I know nothing about cars, just to be honest with you, but it feels like the right thing to do when that light comes on to pop the hood. So I pop the hood, walk around to the other side, standing there looking at it like I know what I'm doing, you know, push up my sleeves, about to get to work, put my hands in there, move some hoses around, you know, just kind of jiggle a couple things. I have no idea what's going on in the car. So apparently when my check engine light comes on, it's not literally saying, hey, Pete, you should check the engine. We know we, you have not a clue what you're doing. The check engine light on my car is saying, take this to somebody who knows how to check your engine. Because there's about 250 different things that could be wrong in this moment. And that's the way worry and anxiety is. It's, it's like a check engine light. It's like, wait, time out, stop. There's something going on in your life that feels 
you sense that it's out of your control. That's why you have the worry. It's why you have the anxiety. And in that moment, it's not asking you to do something about it. It's asking you to take it to someone who knows a lot better than you, has the power beyond what you have to deal with that particular situation. So just, it's just a warning light. That's it. You don't have to freak out about it. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, there's something going on in my life that is beyond my control. That's why scripture says this, 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, right? You cast it because you weren't designed to carry it, right? You weren't designed to carry this. Cast it because you weren't designed to carry it. I love uh, to people watch and it's one of the interesting dynamics about people. It's like a hobby for me. It really, it's probably, it's borderline stalking probably. <laughs> but as long as you don't move your feet, I think it's when you move your feet and you follow them and people watch, that's stalking, all right? That's where the line is. My top three favorite places that people watch would be uh, Disney World would be number one. Number two would be Walmart, um, especially in the South, y'all. You guys have to come to Tennessee with me sometime and just walk around Walmart. It is so fun. Uh, and then uh, the third one would probably be airports. So I love the people watch, but one of the dynamics that I often see when I'm watching people is you can see the weight. You can see the weight and the way they carry themselves. Uh, if you're close enough to look into their eyes, you'll see often the weight of the world. People walking around with so much burden. We've got so many things. That's some of you right now, right? You just feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. You feel like you got to hold your family together. You got to keep your kids in line. You got to keep the finances going. You got to manage this. You got to manage that. There's all these things going on in your life and even beyond your own life that are causing you worry and stress and anxiety and just carrying those things around. But I'm telling you, the moment that you feel worry, the moment that you feel anxiety, it's just a warning light. It's saying, hey, there's something going on here and you need to recognize that while you can't, God can. So take it to the person that you need to take it to. And then Paul is gonna give us some very specific instructions, right, about what to do next. So first thing, cast it, because you weren't designed to carry it. And then the second thing that he's gonna say, and we just read this, but I'm gonna go back and reread it. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So he says, the first thing you gotta do is cast it because you weren't designed to carry it. The second thing I want you to do is, is I want you to take whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy in your life, and I want you to focus on that. Now, I'll show you why in just a second this is so important, but I think for a lot of you right now, when I say that, you need to focus on what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is praiseworthy in your life. You're like, yeah. I would, but there's just nothing like that in my life. It just all feels like it's a big mess and it's all tangled. And to be honest, Pete, I don't see a lot of like good in my life. My guess is part of the problem that you do that. I'm going to show you something real quick. Um, this is how I used to view life. I used to think that life was just a series of ups and downs, right? And there'll be moments in your life where you're going to be up here right, on top of the mountain, and everything feels great, everything's going perfect, and then you're going to have these other moments in your life where you're going to be down here in the valley, and it feels like it's all falling apart, and I, I literally, I don't know how many times I preached a sermon, kind of, I didn't draw this picture, but uh, I preached this kind of message, or essentially I'd say something like this, I'd say, hey, 
if you're right here right now and you're on top of the world and you feel like everything's going great in your life, you should be grateful and thankful and, and just praise God for that because the reality is we live in a broken world and it won't be long. You're going to be right down here. And then I'd say something like this. Some of you feel like you're right here and you're in the valley. And I would say to you back in the day, this is what I would have said, hang on, hang on, be faithful, hold on, have faith and hope because a moment's coming for you where you're going to be out of this valley. And I preach that message dozens of times. That's a stupid message because it, it's, it's not true. Right When I really thought about that in my life, there's, there's never been a moment in my life where I've been up here and everything in my life is going great. Right, Everything's perfect with my kids. Everything's perfect with my wife. Everything's perfect with uh, work. Everything's perfect financially. There's never been a moment where my life has been completely carefree. There's always been something of concern for me, something that I needed to pray about, something that needed my attention, right? And there's also, at the same time, never been a moment in my life where there hasn't been at least one thing that I could thank God for, right? You might feel like that right now, but this isn't the reality of how life works. It looks a lot more like this. It's like a train track, all right? I wish I could have come up with something better, but this is the only thing I could draw. And it's like there's these two rails in your life, right? And we oversimplicate this, but let's say good and bad, or we could say good or easy and difficult, right? And this is life. And at any given time, you're traveling down this track, and there are good things that are happening in your life, and there are difficult things that are happening in your life. Now, the point of this is, again, there's never a point in your life when you're going to be moving through life that you don't have some things that have concern in your life, some relationships that might feel a little bit out of whack, finances, something else that might be going on in the world that breaks your heart, right? You're going to have that. At the same time, this is equally as important. There's never a moment or a time in your life where it's all bad, right? And you have nothing to thank God for. See, the problem with this picture right here, especially this part of it, is if you convince yourself that it's all bad and you're down in the valley, it's all you can ever see. It's all you focus on. And so while you don't get to control all the different circumstances you're going to go through in your life, what you can control is what you focus on, right? So I'm traveling down through here, and I can choose to put all my focus and attention on these things that feel like they're wobbly, that feel like they're, they're not going the way that I want them to go. Or I can stop and I can choose to focus on the fact that there are also amazing things that God is doing in and through my life, even when everything isn't perfect. And so what Paul is getting to here, and this is so crucial that you begin to understand that, he's saying, listen, you don't get to choose all the different things that you go through. In fact, the vast majority of the things that you go through, you don't get to choose, but you always get to choose what you think. And what you think is going to determine your levels of peace. Again, that's why I say this text is deeply spiritual, but it's also deceivingly practical. Paul says if you, if you want to do something, when you feel overwhelmed or when you feel worried, then think. But when you think, make sure you focus on whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. Stop putting the wrong things in. So now, watch this. This is so important. Watch this. Paul is getting to the source of our worry. He's getting to the source of the worry. My guess is that for a good number of you, the source of your worry is not so much what's happening out here. 
It's the story you're telling yourself up here about what's happening out here. And our mind gets formed and shaped in habits and patterns in so many different ways. Uh, my guess is for the vast majority of you, your day starts off with this in your hand. And it starts with you turning your alarm off, that whatever noise you've set on your phone to wake you up uh, today. I go, I don't, I tried the like the peaceful music thing and it just kind of kept me asleep. So I went back to the annoying beep sound. But like you pick this up, you turn your alarm off, then what do you do next? For a bunch of you, you're like, ah, let's just see what's going on, right? All right, and you start flipping through your phone, you start refreshing your apps. Isn't it funny how we refresh all these apps, but we actually never feel refreshed? How we jump to the feed, the news feed, the social media feed, the TikTok feed, but we never feel fed, right? It still feels, makes you feel like you're empty, you're comparing yourself to other people, you're doing all those different things, right? You gotta think about the different sources of what you're putting into your mind every day because Paul says if you wanna battle worry and anxiety, you gotta think about what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is admirable, what is praiseworthy. Think about those things. And so how, just, again, I'm not, listen, I love social media, I read the news, I do all those things, but there's some other things that are more important to me that I feel like I need to start my day with in order to fill up my mind with the right things, right? And so you have to ask, how, how much on my phone is noble and pure and right and admirable and praiseworthy? I'll show you a hack. You wanna see a really cool hack? They say that this could reduce your worry by 50%. Anybody would like to have their worry reduced by 50%? Yeah. Cool, you can pull out your iPhone, I'll show you this hack. I also read it works with uh, like the Samsung Galaxy too, but apparently there's uh, these two buttons. This is new, this is really cool. <laughs> two buttons right here, if you hold those two buttons down, oh my gosh, this is so cool, it actually works. This comes up and it says slide to power off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you could reduce your worry by 50% right there. Just like that, it's, it's that easy. Listen, Paul's getting to a really important point here, right? He's saying you gotta pay attention to what it is you're feeding your mind with. You gotta pay attention to that because some of you are praying for the peace of God, but God has nowhere to put it in your life. There's no room, there's no margin. There's no space. Your mind is constantly filled. It's constantly bombarded by all this stuff that's going on out here. And believe me, it is not stuff. The vast majority of it is not stuff that is noble and beautiful and praiseworthy. It's just not. It's stuff that's gonna fuel fear because fear sells, right? So I'm not blaming any organization. I'm not blaming the media. It just is what it is. It is up to you to make a conscious decision what it is that you're gonna fill your mind with. And what I think is so interesting about this text we're looking at, this is, by the way, Philippians chapter four is arguably the most famous ancient text that deals with worry and anxiety. The most famous ancient text about worry and anxiety and the author Paul, not one single time in this text and the instructions on how to deal with anxiety and worry, one single time does he ever address the problems and the things that are going on in your life. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's, I'll draw you another picture. Let me grab a pen. I'm in a writing mood today. It's like this. What Paul is kind of showing us, so you've got you, right? Here's you, 
and then I'll draw another circle here, and here's all the things that you think are causing your worry and anxiety, all right? So for some of you, it's work. That, that's a, it's a laptop computer. There's the buttons and keys, right? For some of you, you think it's work, right? It, it, that's what's causing you all your anxiety and stress. For some of you, it's some high-maintenance relationships. Maybe it has something to do with your kids or your spouse, but you've got some worry and anxiety around the direction that's going on. For some of you, I'm sure this is a big one. You've got some financial concerns. For some of you, maybe there's some health concerns. And again, I go back to that original illusion that so many have bought into, which is if we can eliminate these things, then we can have peace. But again, Paul never even goes there. He doesn't even touch it, right? Paul never says, oh, you got some high-maintenance relationships that are causing you worry and anxiety? Got it. All you need to do is eliminate those relationships and find yourself some low-maintenance relationships, and you won't have as much worry and anxiety, right? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, your job is causing you a lot of stress. Oh, easy. You just need to find an easier job. They didn't have many crazy people working around you. And then you're gonna have a lot more peace. Or you just need to win the lottery and then you won't have any more financial concerns and you'll have peace. You see what I'm saying here? He doesn't go there with any of these things. So we think we have all these enemies out here that are causing us worry and anxiety. And Paul says, no, 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 no. No, it's not your enemies that are causing this. It's your inner me. It's not your enemies. It's your inner me. It's you. It's what you're feeding yourself. In other words, again, his whole point here is that at the end of the day, it's up to you to choose what it is that you're gonna focus on. And if you wanna focus on all the things that you think are creating worry and anxiety for you, then you can do that. That's what most of us do. My question would be, how's that strategy working out for you? Is it eliminating the worry and the anxiety? And I think most of you would be honest and say, no, it never has. In fact, it just seems to be getting worse. That's right. Because it's not about your enemies, the things that are out there, right? It's about your inner me. It's about what's going on here and here. And this is important because what you have to realize is the source of your worry is not a person. It's not a situation. It's not a thing. It's the story you keep telling yourself. That's what's causing the worry and anxiety. What Paul is saying is we control inputs not outcomes. You don't control the outcomes. You control the inputs. You control what you choose to focus on and think about and dwell about. And if you spend your whole life trying to control outcomes, trying to control the outcomes of your kids, trying to control the outcome of your spouse, trying to control the outcome of your boss or your work, your career, your fine, you spend your whole life trying to control the outcomes that you can't control and your life is gonna be dominated by worry and anxiety and fear every single time, every single time. So could we all agree, and I think I'm talking primarily to a Christian audience here, could we agree that the promises of God are bigger than the problems of life? We would all agree with that, right? As, as far as a statement goes, yeah, you can clap. That would show that you believe that. The promises of God are bigger than the problems of life. And yet, isn't it true that in reality, often the problems of life feel like they're a lot bigger than the promises of God? It's kind of like, I'll give you a quick illustration. Uh, everybody, hold, hold up a finger. Hold up your index finger, <laughs> specifically. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> index finger. Uh, 
<laughs> That's funny to visualize. I, I'm sorry I visualized that. I apologize. God forgive me. Index finger. And um, I want you to close one eye. All right? And then I want you to try to block me out with your index finger. Just block me out. You can do this even if you're watching online, right? All right? I can block out a bunch of you guys. Okay, you can put your finger down. Now, I'm not the biggest guy in the world for sure, but I am bigger than the vast majority of your index fingers, okay? And isn't it true that even though I'm much larger than your index finger, an, uh, an item, an object held close to your eye can block out a much larger object, correct? And we do the same thing in life. We're going through life, a problem in your life held up close right, to, to the eye of your soul is always gonna block out that which is larger and more powerful than the problem that you face. And some of you are going through life and your focus is so close to your problems and your difficulties and your challenges that you're missing out on the promises of God that are so much larger, powerful, and effective than that. You're looking at the wrong thing. You think you're focused on reality, but there's a much deeper reality that exists out there. Um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is a story in the Old Testament about a prophet by the name of Elisha. And uh, it's an interesting story. So Elisha's a prophet. If you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet was someone who would listen to God, God would communicate with them, and then they would communicate to the people of God. So they were kind of the in-between. They were the messenger, if you will. They weren't always the most popular people because sometimes people didn't like the message that God had for them. But that's what Elisha does. He's a prophet. And um, Israel is under attack by the king of Aram. And he, is, he wants to take the Israelites out. But every time he goes to attack the Israelites, it's as if they know what's gonna happen before it happens and they escape. So the king of Aram is furious and he is convinced there has to be a mole, has to be a spy. Somebody's informing the Israelites about every move that they're making, and so none of their attacks have been successful. So he's furious, and he's dead set on he's gonna find the mole. He's gonna find out who's passing this information along. Well, he finds out what he's told from his spies or that actually it's the God of Israel, that the God of Israel is telling Elisha the plans, and then Elisha is telling the people of Israel, and that's how they know what's about to happen next. So he's like, oh, I'll solve this problem. I'll take Elisha out. I'll just kill him, and that'll solve the problem. So that's where we pick up this little story, and I love this. He says, uh, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men to capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city when the servant of the man of God, so the servant is a servant of Elisha, Elisha being the man of God. When the servant of Elisha got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So the servant's freaking out. He's like, it's over, Elisha. Like they have us surrounded. The king is going to take you out. It's done. He says, don't be afraid. So Elisha says to his servant, listen, chill. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. To which Elisha's servant's like, uh, I don't get it. Like, I count two. One, two. And then I count a bunch of horses and chariots that have surrounded us with spears and weapons, and they look really mad, Elisha. I don't think this is, what are you talking about? Those who are with us are more who are with them? Like, that doesn't make sense. And Elisha prayed, 
Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is such a cool story because, you know, it's, it's like here we are in life and we see one thing, right? We see what it is that's right there in front of us. And we see the problems just like Elisha's servant did, right? That's all Elisha's servant could see. We are surrounded, right? This is not good. This is not going to work out well. And Elisha's like, hold on, relax. There's more to this story. And he prays and says, God, would you open his spiritual eyes? And he opens up his spiritual eyes and all of a sudden, boom, he sees a whole nother dynamic. It's not that they're surrounded. It's that the people that they feel like have surrounded them are actually surrounded by the power of God and his angels. And I think for some of you, not to oversimplify this, because I said on the very front end, this concept of struggling with worry and anxiety is not like flipping up a light switch, right? That's why Paul says you gotta practice these things. Practice casting it because you weren't designed to carry it. Practice finding ways to focus, right, on the things that are noble and pure and praiseworthy in your life. You gotta practice that. It's one of the reasons, by the way, I do a gratitude list every morning. Spend a little time in the Word, and I'm going to spend some time on my gratitude list where I'm visualizing the things that I am grateful for. I'm visualizing the people I'm grateful for, the things in my life that I'm grateful for, the circumstances that I'm grateful for. And the reason I do that is because I'm trying to train my mind what to look for throughout the course of that day, because I know that God has given me the power to focus on whatever I want to focus on, to magnify whatever I want to magnify. And I can magnify that which is going wrong and the problems that feel like they're out of my control, or I can magnify my Lord and Savior. I have that choice every single day. And so for some of you, what my prayer is in this moment is that God would just open your spiritual eyes, that you would see beyond, like beyond this circle, because there's a whole nother circle, right? And this is the God realm, right? And, and I know right now all you can see is this. But I think if you were to look back into your past and the other things that you've worried about, the other things that have created anxiety, right, that have all worked themselves out because you're still here today, right? Maybe not exactly the way you wanted it to work out, but it all worked out, right? You look back, it's real easy to see this realm. It, it's not denying reality. I think that's the pushback. Some people are like, ah, it's denying reality. No, it's not. It's seeing a much deeper reality that you can't always see or perceive with the human eye. This is why it's all about trust and faith. And we don't cease to worry because we've figured out how it's all gonna work out. We cease to worry because we trust in a God who we know will work it out. There's so many factors in your life that are way beyond your control, but you always get to control your focus. You get to magnify what you want to magnify. So as we wrap up today, I want to invite all of you that are here, all of you that are watching online to just close your eyes for a second. And why don't we take a moment to put this into practice, okay? And let's start by taking just a big deep breath. And what's the first thing that Paul told us to do? He said, I want you to cast it because you weren't designed to carry it. So right now, with your eyes closed, I want you just to think about what are the things in your life that you need to cast because you weren't designed to carry it? What are the things in your life that are, and maybe you just pick one that's creating worry and anxiety for you right now. Maybe it's a big exam you've got coming up. Maybe it's a relationship issue. 
Maybe it's some dream God's put on your heart that you feel like you're not getting any traction right now. It could be a financial thing. I have no idea. But I want you to think about that, that thing that's causing you worry and anxiety. And I want you to literally visualize right now just setting that down at the feet of Jesus. Just cast it, right? Because you weren't designed to carry it. You just admit in this moment, Heavenly Father, to like this thing, this situation, this person, circumstance, feels like it's creating me so much worry and anxiety. But I know that it's actually not about that thing, that person, that circumstance. I know that this is about me trying to control something I was never designed to control. So I'm gonna cast it. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna surrender it to you. I'm gonna trust that even though this thing, circumstance, person feels like they've got me surrounded, I know ultimately, God, that you've surrounded it. And so I trust you with this. And then I want us to practice the second part of what Paul said, where he said, I want you to think, but I want you to think about what is pure, what is noble, what is good, what is praiseworthy. And just take a couple minutes right now to in your mind, start to think about those things in your life that are God-given, that are so good, that are so pure. Maybe it's the, the love of your spouse. It could be the presence of your kids. It could be the fact that most of you are gonna get to leave here in just a few minutes and sit down and have a nice meal. Maybe you're thankful for the car that you're about to go get into or the house that you're gonna go home to. And for those of you that right now in this moment are struggling to come up with anything that you can be thankful for, anything in your life to think about that is excellent and noble and praiseworthy, how about you just think about Jesus Christ? Think about what he did on the cross for you. Think about the grace that he's extended you, the forgiveness that he's offered you. Think about how he has carried you through tough time after tough time after tough time. I want you to stop right now and just thank him for the air in your lungs, for the fact that you opened up your eyes today, that you have the gifts of sight, that you can walk, that you're still here. It's so easy in our world to be controlled and manipulated by fear and anxiety and worry, and it takes a real intentionality and focus that God is calling us to, each one of us, to cast things because we weren't designed to carry them. And in between that, to think and to focus on the things that are good and honorable and noble and praiseworthy. Father, help us to focus on those. Help us to understand that the source of our anxiety and our worry is not our enemies, it's our inner me. And until we learn how to focus on you and focus on the things that are good and worthy and praiseworthy in our life, we're always gonna struggle with this. And God, thank you so much for the grace because none of us get this right all the time and we all struggle with it from time to time. And maybe today's just a wake-up call for all of us. That the fear and the anxiety that we feel is just a warning light, it's just a reminder that there's something that feels out of control and we need to go to the one that's only been in control all along and that's you. Father God, we love you. We're so grateful for you for it's in your holy and your precious name that we pray, amen. Hey, before you leave today, I wanna remind you that we have a prayer team that's down front after the service. So if you're here and you wanna put into practice this idea of casting it because you weren't designed to carry it, they would love 
to pray with you today and just give that over to the Lord. Uh, I hope you guys have an amazing week, and we'll see you next weekend as we continue our series in with the new. God bless.